You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am one of your hosts this evening, Mike, and I am joined by the uh, ever-graceful and always lovely Austin. Hi. Hello. How are you? Are you asking me or the listeners? Yes. I'm adequate. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's been a busy day. Not a bad day, but a busy day. Good. Um, so we have, um, this episode tonight is going to kind of be a little bit of a riff kind of an episode. Um, we do have some cool stuff to talk about, and I guess the best place probably to start is with listener questions. It is actually really nice to that we're getting listener questions now because it gives us the ability, I think, to do more of what we really are trying to do with the podcast, which is to provide good information and to educate, uh, and uh, that is more easily done if the people who listen to the podcast can give us a little bit of insight into what it is they want us to talk about because we we have our own ideas but talking about a lot of that stuff isn't really necessarily helping us right so um yeah so austin we have uh i think an email yes from i think probably at least two three weeks back about yes january 6th okay yeah we, we've not had a chance to get to this one yet so let's let's get this out of the way okay so this is a long email i will do my best to not butcher any names or anything like this um do we decide whether or not i'm saying their name um i, I don't think it really i i think i i the last time when we were answering questions, I, I chose to err on the side of caution and not qualify or not not provide a name. All right. So if you want to just say a listener. Okay. So a listener sent us this email. Mike and Austin. So I only recently came across your podcast and I'm playing catch up on your episodes. With that, I'm sorry if any of my questions are duplicated from previous discussions. I came across a video on Austin the Witch TikTok. <laughs> Thank you. Started watching more videos there. I wholeheartedly appreciate the no-nonsense, no-fluff, straightforward truth that I was hearing. That led me to your podcast. I was It was the link from the video about grounding, centering, and aligning. So that was my first episode. Let me say thank you. I have done the roots grounding, and I use the Prithi Mudra for centering, but had never aligned before. So that was definitely something new for me. So again, thank you. I'm okay, so let's okay, so let's stop that. Okay, just okay. because okay. So so this is a listener who and we don't really have a lot of other information, at least from what I remember reading of this email. Mm-hmm. We don't really have a lot of other information on this particular person's spiritual practice. Um but I, I wanna stop right here and I wanna say that it's important to remember that mudras and these kinds of hand signs that these are things that are specific to very particular spiritual practices. These are not witchcraft. Okay. Um, and I think it's always good to remind people that you do need to make sure that you are doing the best you can to educate yourself very clearly on what these things really are. Um, and if they are indeed things that you really should be incorporating into a witchcraft practice, because a lot of this stuff is has been grossly misappropriated over the years. So, um, so be careful with your mudras. Kind of just like like chakras. We talk about chakras a lot too, and like yeah, that is not witchcraft, and you need to be very careful about how you choose to maybe incorporate those things into your practice. Anyway, do go on. Okay, so they then go on to give us a little background. My granny was very psychic and had many abilities and was a and was always spot on. Hmm? She took care of me when my parents split up and my mom was working. She, I'm sorry, she did what? She took care, took of, me care of her when okay, my gotcha. parents okay. split up and my mom was working. Okay. So I was used to it and never really gave it a thought. I always thought it was normal. 
but at the time, he made me go to Sunday school, but never went herself. She made me go to Sunday school. Okay, gotcha. Okay. I just really liked the arts and crafts, didn't really care about the rest of it. In my teenage years, I developed an ability I would dream things and they would come true. I had this until I was in my mid to late 20s. I had an incident where I thought my abilities had hurt someone emotionally, so I shut them down. I only realized this, I did this, this past fall, so I have been working to regain that ability. I started studying religions in the early 2000s, and I studied as many different ones as I could. My fiancé at the time had been Wiccan. We performed our own hand-fasting ceremony and the courthouse for legalities. I studied and practiced for a while. Saravati and Inanna are who I had connected with. I studied Buckland, Ravenwolf, Cunningham, Starhawk. They were, they were the main ones that I studied. Okay. But I soon fell out and followed no path or belief system. Now, in 2021, things started happening. No longer married, a good thing. Emotional changes, carrying a lifetime of trauma, and many other things. I had wanted to learn Reiki since I started studying all those years ago, and in August, I finally found a place that taught the way I wanted to learn. It is the traditional Reiki, the way Sui had first taught, no hand positions and all the other crap that was changed. I have had Reiki 1 and 2, and I will be doing an internship later this month before moving into a master's. I have also been learning transpersonal crystal healing, um, and I will be finished with that very soon. I also took training for access bars, but I think that's as far as that will go. I've taken psychic development classes and a beginner mediumship class. They went fairly well. Didn't know I could do those things. I had a life activation and full soul activation as well. I've been working on myself while learning about witchcraft, my abilities and tools I wanted to learn. Now I'm full circle again and looking into different paths. Shall we pause? I think it's important to pause again at this point, and I, I don't know if you want to pause because you have some some things to say. You know, and I, I'm trying to measure my what I say here around this because I, the last thing I don't I don't know this person, and the last thing I want to do is, is hurt anybody's feelings, but. It's. It sounds to me as if this person has invested a lot of time and energy, and I'm sure money, into learning and doing a lot of these things. Um, but I, I always have to ask, or I always, I always wonder, and then yes, of course, ask, with that history of learning and experience if there is not maybe an issue around commitment to particular spiritual practice i think that and we've we've addressed this on the podcast Mm -hmm. before i think a lot of the times that people um they get to a point where they feel a sense of frustration and they're not quite sure really what to do next because they've tried this and they've tried this and they've done this but all of the things that they've tried they've never really taken to a level that would be, I think, considered a bit more perhaps advanced. Like they've never really invested in that way. Do they? Oh, okay. So I'm getting ahead of of our listener. Not being able to take any path in its entirety. Okay, so that that that's an issue. That that's a challenge, I think, um, for a lot of people, and it and it's difficult to do. Absolutely, I understand. Like life being what it is, life changes. Sometimes it's hard to find. Uh, ways to learn, methods to learn, mm-hmm. you know, to take something through to, uh, not to its end, because there's never really an end with these kinds of things, but to get to a point where it really is like a, a concrete foundational component of your practice, um, like you've got good roots planted in that, um, that can be hard. But I, I also know if you're really looking for answers that you really do need to, to do the, what you can to see something through to that point before you jump into something new. Um, 
otherwise you end up you end up feeling i think a level of dissatisfaction or you get to a point where you're really you what you've kind of done a without intentionally doing so as you're meaning to is, but you've, you've kind of made yourself a bit of a spiritual tourist. Um, and there's nothing wrong necessarily, uh, with that, but, um, but that does not a spiritual practice make. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, do go, do go on. Well, I want to, so. Yeah. What, what did you have to have to first? I don't know what a life activation or a full soul activation is i'm gonna uh, say that sounds like and again i the, hopefully this does not upset this person too much or hurt their feelings but that sounds like a lot of light worker and new age bullshit to me that's, that's that's kind of what i was thinking i have no idea what it is but all i here is my opinion as a teacher go for it as someone who has been doing this for quite some time you don't need those things you probably went and paid a lot of money, unfortunately. Um, maybe you didn't pay any money at well, all. Well, I hope Who not. Knows? Hope not. Um, for those things. And if that's something you needed to basically give yourself permission to live your fullest life, great. But for the other listeners here who have no idea what any of that is, I'm going to say, unless you <clears throat> need to have external um, permission or validation given to you... Um, from someone else it's probably not best to try and incorporate those things into your witchcraft because before before a life activation or a soul activation many many moons ago with our ancestors and the witches of old who who did that for them i mean if you're in devonshire and cornish stuff it's going to be the booker well, I, I mean, to elaborate on what you're saying there, I think that it's um, maybe more specifically, it would be better to say that you as a a sovereign, and a lot of people don't understand the concept of sovereignty when it comes to, to spirituality or being able to step to and, and recognize their own divinity. Mm-hmm. Um, but sovereignty and being able to really kind of step fully into a, any kind of spiritual tradition. Um, we, we've talked about this on the podcast before as well, where life coaches, bullshit. Uh, life activations, if, like I'm assuming this is like, a, like an activator, right? Because there are lots of people out there claiming that they can activate things for you, right? But life coaches and activators, I would almost say of any kind, bullshit. You do not need someone to coach you on how to live your life you are living your life you might need someone to maybe help you make better life choices or someone who might be in a position to help you facilitate overcoming maybe defeating patterns of behavior or trauma but life coaches can't do that shit for you you need to see a therapist you need to see a therapist most of the people who claiming to be life coaches right now have no professional education or training for this shit those people need to get a job or they need to actually go to school and become therapists. They need to go to school and become the psychologist that they pretend to be. Um, and activators also, not a thing. Not a thing. Well, we've talked about activators before. And like, God, if there were people out there who could just activate your psychic abilities, why, why do any form of work? Why create any form of practice? But also you have to remember that Getting those things, quote unquote, activated doesn't mean you're going to know how to use them. 
Well, and I think it's it, that's that's a very good point, and that's going to maybe help me also to kind of draw a parallel there. So I think a lot of people they look at something like a process of activation or uh, the any of these new age concepts around things that are going to dial up your energy, right, or elevate you in some way, right? And I think a lot of people when they look at those things and then they look at something like the practices that we see around witchcraft or folk magic and they see processes of, init- of initiation mm-hmm. in some of those other practices, I think a lot of people they compare those things, but you really can't. You can't compare those things because a process of initiation in something like traditional witchcraft or folk magic, that isn't someone else activating you. That is you doing the work to reconnect to a part of yourself that you are trying maybe to reclaim or or awaken to more. So you're doing the work. Um, that activator thing, I think, has always rubbed me wrong because it almost seems to me like the same concept you see in Christianity or religion, right? Where it's like, you need to go to the priest. You need to go to the bishop. You need to go to the pastor because they're the ones that hold all the power. They're the ones that are kind of the intermediary between you and whatever phony baloney higher power you the church claims to believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where... And and that that is something that I think that really does take power away from you. Again, I mentioned a moment ago talking about sovereignty and stepping into or becoming more aware of your own divinity. You you don't need an activator for that. And if you're going through processes of initiation, you're doing that for yourself. You might have a mentor or someone there to help you along the way, but you're the one doing the work. Um, So they really, you can't draw a comparison there because they're very different. Um, another thing that I want to address is the the Reiki. So, so as a Reiki practitioner, a traditional Reiki practitioner, yes, I, I like that they pointed out that the you know the hand positions are are this that and the other. I'm not going to say that the hand positions are crap because the hand positions were created for Chujiro Hayashi, who was one of Usui's most well known uh, students, and it was done because uh, Doctor Usui believe that everyone should be able to do this. Everyone should be able to, to, to give back the way that he is. Uh, I mean, he was Tendai Buddhist monk, so obviously he's very all about compassion and stuff like that. And so those hand positions just help focus those things. And so though I think the term crap was a little rough and probably most likely something that I would say, um, I'm going to say for anyone who still utilizes the hand positions in Reiki, I still utilize hand positions in Reiki because sometimes it's just the best, most effective way to get a full treatment in, particularly if you're on a timer. Okay. Would you would you say, and this is just an odd, kind of an odd tangent, but it's a question that I'm, I'm not into the Reiki. I do not do the Reiki. I... Yes, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I I won't, I won't go there. That's okay. Anyway, but I I it, it does occur to me though with familiarity that I have with other types of of healing modalities, uh, spiritual healing modalities, um, you know, shiatsu, other things like that. That because of the presence of meridians and things in your in the palms of your hands, mm-hmm. that it would make sense to me on just a just a logical level that if you were utilizing or putting your hands into particular positions for healing, that that would potentially be allowing you to better manipulate energy that was moving through you through some of those meridians yes. i'm not saying that's how it works with reiki but that's that but that's how i think about that i think well, like okay there could be some basis for this yes well and also the basis of the hand positions were because hayashi chujiro hayashi could not couldn't feel energy okay you know okay and so that's why usui did that was so that because his clients got benefit mm-hmm. but usui 
taught him the hand positions or created the hand <clears throat> positions because the hand positions focus on the vital organs. And yeah. so that way the client could get the most benefit from Chujiro because there are other people mm -hmm. who can't feel energy as well. Yeah. The hand positions are helpful. Okay. Um, well, that was kind of what I meant when yeah. I talked about meridians and things because, yeah, like you can... Every area of your palm aligns to a particular organ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Well, same with your feet. You can, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. If you know what you're doing, you can give someone an entire reiki, uh, an entire reiki treatment by basically just raking their feet. Yeah. Um, but we even go further with Takata, uh, who started developing different hand positions for different ailments. Mm -hmm. um, you know a particular hand position for asthma versus a particular hand position for a sinus infection. Okay. You know? uh, so I will say that the hand positions do hold power, but most definitely mm -hmm. I can appreciate where it's like traditional Isui. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I were, I, I will say that if it's traditional Isui, you would be going years until you got to your master level. Cause Dr. Isui mm -hmm. would not attune anyone or proclaim anyone to be a master until he saw within them the, what he deemed that. So anyway, Okay, sorry, yeah, we, we uh, yes, uh, do, do continue, yes. Okay, now that I got all the long, boring stuff out of the way. The long, boring stuff? Is this is this them writing this? Yes. Or you, okay, I was going to say, no, you're <laughs> telling this person they're boring? What are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> so they say, okay, now that I have all the long, boring stuff out of the way, here's my problem and my questions. I have not been able to take any path in its entirety. I'll be moving right along, like, all right, this is for me, and then bam, what is that? Oh, that's just nuts. I won't be doing that. So then I have to let go because I don't. Because if I don't, then I'm cherry picking and I'm not supposed to be doing that because then I'd be appropriating a culture. So here's my thing about that. I am Scottish, Irish, German, Welsh. I have Netherlands, Native American, African, Angola, Basque, French, and I think Denmark. So although I'm a melting pot of ethnicities, I have no culture of my own. I think that's what I yearn for more than anything. I recently learned about Hecate and started studying her, learning her story, her history, what she's about. I haven't done anything with her yet, but I will, because I wanted to make sure I was educated about her before jumping in. I read Cindy Brannon's book, Entering Hecate's Garden, but there is crap in there I don't think is necessary. Also reading Hecate Liminal Rights by Soto Tudiesta and David Rankine, as well as some research online. And then today I saw a TikTok video where Austin told someone to just sit with a candle. Well, duh, I tend to overcomplicate things, over, overcomplicate and overthink things at times. So I'll be communing with her very soon. I'm going to address this. So when you're, when you say that there's crap in there that you don't agree with, um, or you don't think is necessary, you need to understand that you don't get to make that determination for other people, right? Um, but also on top of that, Dr. Brannon has made an entire reconstruction, re re reconstituted basically tradition for just straight up Hecatean practice. We love Dr. Brannon. Cindy Cindy Brandon is absolutely awesome. Uh, everything that she writes, I just devour. And this is not me fanboying or me standing. This is me yes, saying... Yes, we're not being paid money to say these things. No, this is me <clears> saying <throat> that I have read Entering Hecate's Garden. And a lot of the stuff that is in there is very applicable. But the things that you don't find are necessary or you don't feel are necessary, those are things I would encourage this listener and all the other listeners why why do you feel it's not necessary other than i just don't like that 
Why? Why don't you like it? What is the root of that? You know, we always hear people talk about shadow work, shadow work, shadow work. And it's not that you need to like everything, but you need to know why you dislike something. You know, you need to be able, when someone presents you with, okay, well, why don't you like that spell? Well, I just don't think it's necessary. Okay, why don't you think it's necessary? You have to be able to come back with something and know why. Otherwise, you're just, you're, you're not actually able to justify anything. You're just not liking things for not liking things. And that's fine, but you have to be able to at least admit that. On top of that, I have read Entering Heritage Gardens backwards and forwards. And everything in that book holds some sort of validity when it comes to the practice of Hecate. There are some things that I'm like, mm, not for me, but I can see where this is. So I will encourage all of our listeners, including this listener, that if you struggle with that in books, instead of automatically going, mm, I don't like this, I'm putting it down, read through it. Because most likely, especially with Dr. Brandon, there's going to be a purpose or a reason behind it. Um, very rarely does Dr. Brandon just, you know, go off and say, we're just doing it because we're doing it. Does that make sense? Are, 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 you, are you doubting what you just said? I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, okay, so to, to maybe, to, you know, uh, paraphrase what you just said, I, I think it's important to... Also, you probably should start with keeping your keys. Sometimes the well, maybe they read keeping your keys. Maybe they just didn't talk about that one, right? Um, so I think it's 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 fair to, to say that obviously we all have to kind of pick and choose mm -hmm. what we want to invest in, what we choose to put our belief in, right? And um, you know, and so and that's and that that ha that has to be the case. Otherwise, you're not really working your spiritual path. You're working someone else's, right? Um, I, I will say that. It's been my experience and, and a lot of other people's experiences that the sometimes the things that we read, the things that we learn that um, maybe we're not initially called to or that don't initially kind of line up with what we believe or what we want, that um, that in a little bit of time, sometimes those things, they do. Like there's a shift or a change and then those things maybe make sense or they apply. Um, but also I want to say that sometimes the things that we learn that we're not okay with, those are... Those are the uh, things that we, you know, th th those also, I guess, I guess these are saying those are also things that help us to, to, to define our spiritual path. Yes. I, I would agree with that. Well, I mean, I can pick up any book and read it and half the time I'm like, okay, not here for it. So. So. I feel like we've been, been highly critical of this listener so far with a lot of what they're, they've shared, um, which is. You know, which it was certainly not my intent. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see what what else do they have to tell us? Where are they going okay. with this? So again, apologize. We're not trying to be critical. We're just trying to analyze and pick apart this this email, so that way we can further understand. So the one ancestry ancestry of mine I would really like to follow and learn about is Melungian. The Melungeon? Melungeon? Yeah. They were a tri-racial group of people pushed back into the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, my line is from Virginia. Their beliefs were from all the cultures merged together as one. There isn't much written about them, mostly handed down orally. The closest thing is a granny witch. So, so the Melungeon people are uh, a, a sub-community. Another... I thought... I hate that term sub community. I don't want to say subculture, but I, I guess you know, in essence, they they are a uh, a, a particular 
ethnic and and uh, a group uh, that kind of sits or or was understood historically to to kind of live even to this day actually um in that same area of the world that we would we see like appalachia mm-hmm. craft so other traditions that are really common throughout that area are going to be a component of melungeon mm-hmm. alternative spiritual practice you know and those can incorporate a lot of the uh folk magic customs of say like irish and scots people um you've got i think certainly some um dutch in there you're going to have i think beyond that a little bit of a sprinkle of some of the indigenous communities that were actually native to that area of the country and and then you do also see um i i believe somewhere in the back at least you've got some connections to i I believe some of the a lot of the the black slaves Mm -hmm. that were that moved through that area of the country as well so there there is a there's a quite a bit of diversity within that community genetically Mm -hmm. and historically and it's a it's a wonderful thing it's a really good thing um but that, because of that, though, that really kind of opens up a whole lot of options yeah. when it comes to spiritual practice. It just is that I guess my if I were to if I had this listener, th- this is the challenging thing with questions that come through the podcast is if I had this listener here in the room with me, in in follow up to that comment, I would probably say, well, what's wrong with Granny Witch Craft? What's wrong with that? Um, you know, or have they considered, have they looked into some of the other uh, processes or, or uh, traditions around, say, like conjure or root work? Because That's what I was gonna say. within this area of the world, those are really going to be the closest traditions that are really going to be accessible. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say that's probably where they would want to look. Um, I mean, backwoods witchcraft, southern cunning. Um, secret keys to conjure anything that's going to be conjure or root work related is going to be some it's going to have some good information on some practices you can connect with now you do have an opposition to uh at least this is how i interpret it you have an opposition to to christianity um and the thing is that's going to make that tricky and that's going to make that tricky because you use the bible in conjuring root work that's what it is i can't tell you how many times i've had people go well i want to take your class but i'm not using the bible it's like that's great then don't take my class I am the farthest thing from Christian there is. I do not believe that I am covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I do not believe that. But instead, I see the Bible as a talisman, um, as an amulet, as a tool, as a relic that connects all of my ancestors together who believed and worked that path. And so by reading from that the words of Psalm 23... I'm effectively reading those same words that my mama, her mother, her mother's mother, so on and so forth read to get work done so it is charged. It has power simply because my ancestors and my spirits believed in it. And though I might not, they will still step forward and that power will still come through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say maybe look into some of those things. Anyway, moving on. The listener continues to, to, to state, I seriously believe with all that I am that a person's belief and practices are very personal and therefore should not have to follow by the letter any one practice or path rules. What are your guys' thoughts about cherry picking or only following certain aspects of a path but not all of it? What would your opinions on a situation like mine be? So I'm just going by my intuition if it feels right, then I'm going to go with it. If it doesn't, then I'm not going to do it. I I think that your intuition is something that can lead you to a practice. 
<clears throat> intuition can lead you to something. Uh, beyond that point, though, once you've once you've made the commitment, once you dive in, um, you have to move beyond intuition. Mm-hmm. At that point, commitment, discipline, and and actually doing the work are going to be more important to you. Um, I've noticed that people who tend to be very worried about cherry picking their spirituality, these are almost always the people who are solely trusting their intuition. So you've got kind of a little bit of a challenge here because in the process of trying to avoid doing something, you're doing something. Um, And from the sound of some of what you shared, you, you really have already kind of cobbled together. You already have kind of cherry picked a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you were, you've got Reiki, you're doing mudras during particular meditations, you're doing, I mean, you, you've already kind of picked a whole bunch of stuff and have kind of cobbled all of this together. And again, there, there's nothing, I guess, necessarily wrong with being an eclectic spiritual practitioner, um, as long as you are truly earning these things and not misappropriating a bunch of stuff that you shouldn't be, um, but I, I'm going to say I, I have to disagree with this listener when they talk about they don't feel that you should have to follow particular practices and traditions to the letter or to the rule. Um, and I'm saying that as a chaos magician. I mean, I, I detest rules and I will be the first to say you don't need to do this this way. But that really isn't true for everything. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely some practices and traditions and, and things out there like you have to do this this way. And a lot of the time, that's not even about you. Mm. It's about the ancestors of the tradition and the practice and about the spirits that to this day still are connected to that tradition and practice. So you can't really say no rules. I don't want to do this. You you don't really have that choice. Well, no, because then then, then you're getting very much into... It feels borderline... feels borderline entitled... Um, because this is this is this is something that I deal with in, in, with, with my conjure my, the conjure work, you know I, I I shared that story where someone basically messaged me and was like, I don't like the Bible and so I'm not going to do it and so when I sign up for your course you're going to make an exception for me. No, you're not going to sign up for a college course and go. This required textbook doesn't sit right in my spirit Mm -hmm. yeah so i am not going to read this book instead i'm going to read this book that i want and i'm still going to do the same homework you're giving me Mm. because you're not going to change the homework to fit the book i'm reading but i'm still going to do that and then you're still going to grade me as if i read this other book and then what's going to happen is ultimately when you fail that test or that written assignment you're going to go that was your fault you knew i wasn't going to do it this way how dare you and the response the professors is going to have is maybe you should have read the required text well i i don't know that that no, that's i don't exactly know that that situation no, specifically exactly applies here no that's exactly what it is because this is also very similar when you get people who are just die hard want to go into wicca okay here's the things you need to do. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I don't want to practice skyclad. Okay, well, as a traditional gardenerian, you're going to practice skyclad. No, I'm not. Okay, then you're not going to be doing this. There are some covens, depending, that are going to flex that and, and be a little bit more lenient on it, but that, that would be like coming into our coven going, yeah, no, I'm not doing it this way. 
Yeah. Like, we're not going to actually do this particular ritual this way because I don't feel like it's right for me. So instead of utilizing Hecate in this right or this working, we're going to work with Thor. Yeah. So, no, it's the exact same thing. You can cherry pick all you want, but that doesn't mean that you are giving that tradition the its dues and its honors. So I can most definitely see, though, where this listener is coming from with the I'm following what feels right for me. Mm -hmm. And that's true to a point. But if... I think it's also fair to say that in the pursuit of any particular spiritual path, you're going to get to a moment where you're you're going you're really you're going to have to do something that doesn't feel right. right. You're you're going to do something that doesn't feel right. Yeah, spiritual work is, is also going to be messy and uncomfortable. Yes, um, and it should certainly not be something that that takes you to a position of trauma, right? Because then that's that's not a good thing. Exactly. Um, or you know, or puts you in a position where you're you're in danger of some sort, like truly in danger of some mm -hmm. sort. But uh, but. Spiritual work is is supposed to, to really kind of test us in a number of ways. And that's, I think, where a lot of people falter. They get to a point with something and they're like, oh, this doesn't feel good anymore. This isn't fun anymore. I don't want to. And it's like, no, you're actually just getting to the, the good part. You're yeah. really, you're right on the threshold of like like that next level. Mm -hmm. You just need to write it out. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how do we pronounce it? Mel, 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 mel. What? Melungian? Melungian. Melungian. So I'm just going to say this to this listener. This is a path you want to pursue, right? So if you grew up with in this particular culture, you know, let's say you grew up in this particular culture, um, they taught you their ways, you wouldn't look at an elder in the face of the Melungian people who you would be learning from, who would be teaching you and go, this doesn't feel right. This isn't part of my purpose. Yeah. This is not part of my... Uh, my my chosen thing. This doesn't mm -hmm. align with my highest good right now. Yeah. So I'm not going to do this. They'd look at you and go, you're going to do it or you're not going to learn. Yeah. This is what we do. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And I know that sounds harsh. I'm very aware of how that sounds. But if I were to look at my mama and when she told me, so what we do is we light this candle, we fill the cup with this water, and we present it this way, and we say this particular prayer. Uh, but before we do any of this, we do this. And I went, I don't feel like that's right for me. Her response would be, well, that's what we're going to do, and yeah. it cannot feel right for you, but it's going to work. Well, and that, those particular traditions, you know, talking about the Melungeon people and not... Uh, well, not the people, but but the spiritual practices that we would associate the folk types of magic that we would associate with that particular community yeah. of people. Um, things like uh, ancestral work and working very closely with different kinds of spirits; those are huge components yeah. of those those folk practices. And so, when you're getting involved in these things, it's always important to remember that a lot of what you have to do, a lot of what you would potentially be doing, even things maybe that you don't like doing or you're not comfortable with, you're doing those things because it's not about you. Yeah. It's about your ancestors and about the spirits that you're working with. Exactly. Well, and something that we need to remember is, particularly in this type of folk magic, conjure, root work, whatever you want to call it, any type of folk magic, it's going to be, every family is going to do it differently. Every every village, every community is going to do it differently. And within that community, each person's going to do it differently. But they're doing it the way that their family taught them. Mm -hmm. 
And so even with conjure workers <laughs> and practitioners, usually it's, well, this is how I was taught to do it. So this is how I'm mm -hmm. going to do it. But if you're doing it that way and it's working for you and that's how you were taught, mm -hmm. awesome. You might share ideas. And at that point, when that door has been opened, you are having an exchange of culture. You're having a, 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 a respective exchange of this information, which then means if you want to, if they give you the go ahead and you give them the go ahead, they want to incorporate that into their own personal practice. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. That's how bridges are built. That's how communities grow. However, you don't just get to hear someone go, well, this is what I do. And then you go, okay, cool. I really like that. So I'm going to do that now. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not how that works. So as much as I can get where this listener is coming from, I'm going to say that you might need to just pick one thing for now and even though it feels odd and it feels not right for you, I'm going to tell you to sit with that feeling. Sit with that feeling. Why doesn't it feel right? Is it is it because it really isn't right for you? Or is it because now your hyperfixation on this one particular tradition has now lost its luster and you just need to move on to the next thing to keep yourself stimulated? Mm -hmm. And that does happen quite a bit to it does. people. Yeah. You know, yeah. spiritual ADHD is a thing. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, um, to, to provide a little bit of, of probably more constructive information, um, if you're feeling drawn to the folk practices of people that would be a component or part of the Melungeon community, what you're going to need to do is, um, I would say start first with, uh, looking into, uh, what they would consider maybe like old world kinds of folk practices. So you're going to want to maybe dig in or do a little bit of a deep dive on the folk customs and traditions of say, uh, old Irish practitioners, uh, Dutch, certainly. Um, also looking at, um, uh, oh God, it was just on my, on the top of my head. Uh, or, or, and, oh my God, I just, I just totally drew a blank with where I was going to go with that. I had another recommendation. Um, Cornish craft, these kinds of things, like those, those are really going to be, and the reason I'm pointing you in that direction, because I'll be honest with you, none of those things is really going to connect you to the Melungeon people, but those folk practices, those traditions, um, those are all going to be things that, that kind of filtered into and, and ultimately became a part of what would I think be considered, um, Melungeon, uh, folk tradition as it exists today. Mm -hmm. Um, now again, the problem with that is that, um, that will get you to a certain point, but unless you are actually able to find a a folk practitioner with very clear ties or, or involvement in the Melungeon community, someone who also has that same uh, genetic history and ancestral history, you are probably not going to really find anybody who's going to be able to bring you into um, some of the other components of those practices, uh, because at that point you're dealing with very different ethnic communities. Um, and unless you are a person of color or someone who has a very clear ties to a first nation, a tribe that exists within, or did exist within that area of the country, um, you're, you're probably not going to be able to find access to that. And so as unfortunate as that is, and because we want to do everything we can to protect the spiritual histories and traditions of those other communities, we, we, we have to, sometimes we have to accept like this, this is just not something that's for me. This is just not something that I'm going to be able to get into. Um, so yeah, so that, that's a tricky one, you know, and you will, you will not be the first person who has wanted access to something and then has had to accept that they, they just maybe will not be able to, mm -hmm. to have that thing. Well, 
that, 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 that's so true because even with some of the traditions that my ancestors would have followed, I would not be welcome to the open arms of that because I did not grow up in that community. Yeah, that yeah, that's fair too. I mean, a lot of the time you don't even get to the point of discussing the spiritual or discussing the spiritual tradition, right? It's just a matter of like we don't know who you are. Exactly, you're an outsider. Yeah, we we don't want to talk up, to you at all. If I were to show you know? up in, in in the Avellino area and expect one of the practitioners, one of the Benedictaria, or anything like that to like just welcome me with open arms, their response would be: first off, you don't speak Italian. Two, who are you? And three, no. Yeah. Like so, it's okay that you don't have access to this and that's the thing is you need to be okay with it yeah. and if you really truly feel that there is a draw there then you must pursue it yeah. respectfully mm -hmm. and understand that when someone tells you no it means no and yeah. you need to just suck it up and move on with your life yeah. um continue to pursue it because that's that's how a lot of it works with um with some traditions like Lakumi traditions is you could sit down and get told no right out the gate. And even though you still feel a draw, you still do your research. You still continue. You still try and live your best life. And then you get another reading and all of a sudden the spirits have decided to change their mind. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm still kind of feeling at the core of the situation that really what, what we're, what we're seeing or what we're hearing from this listener is a, a big case of, as you called it, a spiritual ADHD. Um, and, and an inability to really make a commitment to any one particular practice. Exactly. And that's that's unfortunate. And I would... That's a common thing. It happens. It's, and it's, it, the it thing is. is, in saying that, in no way am I trying to make this listener feel no. like shit. Although I feel like we, we've been highly critical of this listener. And for that, again, I apologize. Um, but... But because that happens to a lot of people, mm -hmm. I think, you know, the majority of the people I think out there nowadays, particularly with the, um, there's this idea, I think, because of social media and because of, well, just media in general. And um, well, I mean, we have information. You've got, features. yeah, you. but I think because of that, though, there's this idea now that, oh, these things are easy. I just have to buy one book and boom, I'm a master witch. I just have to take one online course and boom, I'm a certified blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I need to go to one class and, and now all of a sudden I have all the information I ever need. And, you know, and I think that there's there's this idea now because we tend to be very impatient and we're very like, I want I want it right now. Mm -hmm. You know, kinds of people, we've lost the ability to, uh, to make commitments, to be able to actually dedicate and to be disciplined in the pursuit of something that will take a little more time and energy. Yeah. Um, there's no quick or easy way for these things. And never, ever, ever is the case when it comes to spiritual work uh, because spiritual work never ends. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that people have this idea now that like, oh, this should just be a real quick thing. I just decide this is the thing. And now all of a sudden I am this thing. And it's like, no, that's not how that works. And that is unfortunately why we have so many uh, fakes in the community now, I think why we have so many frauds and charlatans now is you've got all these people out there that are like, well, I'm a shaman. It's like, okay, well, can you tell me how that works? And they're like, well, I, I took a weekend long trip down to Peru and some old woman held my hand for five minutes and told me that I was a shaman now. Or I took an online course in shamanism and so now I'm the thing, you know? And people who actually understand how those traditions and practices work are like, you have nothing. You've been given nothing. You were conned, you were lied to, you paid a lot of money for a piece of paper, but you have nothing, you have nothing. Um, and that's sad for those people in that situation because they really do think they've done it. They really do think they have it most of the time, I think, mm -hmm. you know, and somewhere, you know, on the other side of the world, there's some, some asshole behind a computer screen laughing their, their butt off because, oh, here I am. I conned another one. Mm -hmm. I got your well, money. Well, I've also noticed that there's, there, 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 there tends to be this idea of 
initiate first, ask questions later, or initiate now and then yeah. do the work later. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. Yeah, you have you have to walk before you can run. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was having a conversation very similar to this to one of our practitioners in the shop who is a Cornish practitioner. Um, and I was asking him, I was like, well, like, w- would you feel comfortable teaching a class on this? And they said, I am most definitely, like, an intro class. Sure, I could probably do that. But, like, doing a class on Cornish craft, like, I, there's so much diversity there. And, like, this is our craft. This is what they have done for their entire like, like yeah. their, their 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 spiel like their entire spiel their entire path and they still will admit to this day like I still am working like, yeah there's I'm still a lot still to learn doing this and I know that this is my tradition this is my path and there have been times where I have struggled <clears> but <throat> I love it and I just continue to persist yeah. and that's how it is with our tradition that's how it yeah. is with. Yeah, there's never there's never a stopping point. There's there's there's, ne- there's never an end. There's never a, no. I, I did all I could do because it's always these these are lifelong multiple life long traditions. Yeah, and there's always something more to do. Always something more to do. And that actually, a lot of people hear that 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 I've had people in in years past where I've taught classes and I've I've told people like this this never ends. This is this. You never get to a point where you learn everything. You never get to a point where you've mastered mm-hmm. it, everything. You you will never get to that moment. And when people hear that, for a lot of time, a lot of time, people they they they, they that shuts them off. Yep. They're like, well, if I can't get to the point where I've I've reached the end and I've won the race or I've mastered this, then why do I even bother? Witchcraft and spirituality and, is not a race. And it's like it's not a race. And witchcraft and spirituality is it's not a destination. It's a journey. And so you should be looking forward to the fact that it doesn't ever stop. That should be a good thing. That should be a good thing because if it stops, then you're dead. Quick aside, every time I hear the term Cornish practitioner, I just picture someone like dancing around a fire in the middle of a field with like big like corn cobs in their hand. And they like do their dance and their chanting, and then like popcorn starts to rain from the heavens. It's a very corn kind of thing. It's Cornish craft, right? It's Cornish craft. That's just that's just me being ridiculous, but uh, but but I, I really do think that I'm thinking like Cornish craft, which is just old old you know it's just old tradition or a practice that originates in in what would be the, the modern day UK, mm-hmm. but um, you know but I always love that I'm like I'm like Cornish craft, they use corn in their magic. Sometimes, well, I mean corn wouldn't have been native to that area of the world, but uh, you know but anyway anyway, Wheatish Wheatish craft Wheatish craft. So anyway, we, I, uh, yeah. I hope that we helped. I don't. By no means do I hope that this listener listens to this episode now and goes. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to be like, "Well, fuck these two. Oh, I, I, I spilled my, my, my soul. I, I, and they, they gutted me. And I, yeah. I, I, I hope that's not the case because this is how I would talk to any of my students. This is how I would talk to anyone in any of the classes with us. This is how I've talked to our own coven members. Where it's like you, you, you. You talk to me like this. I do. I talk to everyone like this. You're I talk so to like this. mean. And I don't want you to feel discouraged, though you you might, and that's okay. Um, Look at it though, because that kind of response emotionally, that's there's there's some shadow work there, and that's a doorway for you to take to, to learning more. Exactly. So instead of going, oh, you know, you can completely disagree with everything that we have just said. And that is that is an, a viable option for you, and you can continue to do what you want. But I guarantee, if you continue to do do it the way you're doing it, you m- probably will not find that satisfaction that you were looking for. Um, but 
if you can take what we've said and understand that it was not meant with malice, it was not meant with hurt or 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 elitistness, or elitism in it, then is elitism a word? Elitism. Um, el- elitism. Elitism. It was not meant with elitism. It was truly meant from a perspective of you're telling us an issue. Here's what we as teachers, as people who've been doing this a very long time, have seen a lot of. Because you're not the first person who's asked us this. Oh question. no, these, these are very common this conversations. Very common, yeah, actually. and and that's a good thing. The thing is, is the the fact that you're you've gotten to this point. Um, to, to this listener, the fact that you've gotten to this point where this is now a concern and a question that you're having, this actually, to me, this confirms that you 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 have grown, you are growing, and you have learned, because this kind of introspection is something that really only comes after you've made a few steps into spiritual growth, or you've done some of that work. So you're, I think you're on the right path, you know, and in, in again, as Austin was just saying, in, in saying anything that did seemed to be critical and was critical um you know what we're really doing with that is we're trying to help you pick some of these things apart for yourself as we're as we're kind of chewing into some of these things and then ripping some of this stuff down what we're doing is hoping that maybe you will also do the same you know and and look maybe a bit more carefully or honestly with what it is that you really expect what it is you want and as austin was saying a moment ago what it is you're really entitled to um yeah I don't know. Um, did we did we answer this? Yep. I, okay. I think so. Okay. I mean, we talked a whole lot, but I'm still sitting here like, did we really answer this? I, I think we did, and in, in as is often the case, our our usual circuitous and uh, tangential way. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, is there anything else? No, that was it. Okay. I mean, they said thank you for reading the entire long thing, and they look forward to catching up with the podcast. Okay. Well, now they'll probably hate us, and they won't want to listen to us anymore. And that's <coughs> completely your opinion and completely along your path. And if that's what is for your best and highest good, do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you find for some reason we're, we're not we're not your flavor, we're not giving you information that you want or that's, that's really benefiting you, then, uh, you know, then, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll miss you. Um, all right. So I had another question. This right. one, this one did not come through the email. This one actually was messaged to me directly through the shop. Um, so interesting question, and I think um, a conversation that a lot of that we don't really have a lot because we tend to get so focused on the result when it comes to magical work, mm-hmm. right? And the process, right? We a lot of people I think they overlook or um, they move so quickly into the process and the result that they don't take the time to actually think about the the theory behind magic as it works or okay. why it works okay so the question was basically to or or, or what, what what we were asked to do is to explain uh magical theory okay and so i i want to i've i've got something here that i i kind of want to go into and as is often the case i've got a, a small book here um, but but as we go through this and, and we and I, I mentioned certain things like let's you know let's 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 hash this out. I want you to I want your voice in this as well, Austin. Right. Okay, so all right, so I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to all figure out, and this is going to be something that is going to be so different for every person. Okay, so magic is a combination of energies that we arrange and set to particular intent through our will 
and emotion. That is just one definition for what magic is, or what the what the the theory kind of behind magic and magic process. Okay, or magic is an energy. There are many others. Okay, um, but I think to understand how magic works, we have to talk a little bit about about first about the idea of multidimensionality. Okay, or the different frequencies of existence, and how we connect to these. And I guess what I mean by that is I'm talking about, and I think most most people who move far enough into particular practices, spiritual practices, things like witchcraft, folk magic, these kinds of things, there is kind of a belief in understanding that there are other realms of existence around us, right? Whether it be, um, you know, and, and that, and I'm really, I'm trying not to get too science fiction here with some of this. Okay. But there really is no other way to explain this. Um, because the science, what we consider science fiction today is really ultimately just our science tomorrow. Right. Um, you know, so in saying that, I guess, in, in elaborating a bit more on different realms, I mean, the idea there is that there's kind of an understanding that, say, like plants, right? Plants, and I think science is now kind of learning a little bit more about what, um, like, mushrooms and, like, Mike, uh, oh, oh, geez. Mycelium. Thank you. God, I just blanked on the word. Mycelium, like, like, how these things kind of work, right? And if they're kind of understanding more and more now that, that plants, uh, in a lot of situations, like, they have their own, uh, almost obviously, like, nervous system or means of communication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how we don't yet have the science or the, the ability to to measure or to fully understand that, right? But we have to look at that as an example, albeit a loose one, an example of how plants kind of, because of that, they have uh, a frequency and energy, uh, kind of a realm of their own, right? In the sense that we are not able to fully connect to that. We're not able to communicate or to really to sense and pick up on those things, right? Um, so that's really kind of what I'm talking about. But if we take it a bit further, we also see people that put faith in things like, like, well, there's a realm where, say, like, like fae beings exist, mm-hmm. right? Or a realm where, say, like, uh, infernals and demonic spirits exist, right? And these are all realms or, I would say, like, dimensions that overlap our own, certainly. They are all connected in some way. Um, but they are still very different in that we as humans are not able to readily access these realms all the time. Right. Yeah. So this is what I mean by multidimensionality. Okay. Um, so each of these other realms, these other worlds, okay, will interconnect, as I was just saying, with the physical world in some way. Um, and we we know this to be true, or we know that this would most likely be true through theory, because science, our study, science of physics, has has confirmed for us that everything really is, in essence, is just energy. Yeah. Right. It's all just energy. Right. And energy uh, can can change and do different things, but it's all still just energy. Um, so most people who believe in magic will also believe in things like a spirit or a soul, or even some form of higher self. Um, and these aspects of our being connect to other frequencies of existence. So things like our spirit, our soul, um, again, something like a higher self, these are all components of our being that I believe are going to more readily connect to or would be able to more readily access other realms of existence, right? When we see an example of that when we talk about things like astral projection, right, yeah. and the astral realm. The astral realm is an entirely different realm of existence, and it's something that certainly weaves through and connects all the other realms, right? Um, but I always, I always try to think of, or when I, I explain the astral realm to other people, I always try to explain it like it's kind of like the hub, you know, in the middle of the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. And all of the spokes are maybe like different realms of existence. And like, then you kind of get to the middle and there's like this, this in-between kind of place, right? Where pretty much anything can go. Anything can move through the astral, right? Yeah. 
um, including us. But it is not our physical, uh, we are awake and conscious component. It's not that part of our being that is moving through the astral realm, right? It's some other component of our soul. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that's kind of where I'm going with that. So these, these other aspects of our being, they connect to other frequencies or other dimensions of existence. Okay. Um, psychic ability as kind of a little bit of a tangent there, psychic ability that we see popping up in a lot of people, these kinds of abilities, psychic ability is the way that we interpret information that filters through these otherworldly connections right so i guess what i'm saying there is some component of our spirit will sit closer to say like a realm where spirits are uh you know like like a realm of the dead right not like an underworld necessarily but like a realm where uh spirits are more readily able to communicate Right. Um, and we're able to interact with them on some level as, you know, as our own spirit. Right. Yeah. Um, and then through that interaction from our spirit to those other spirits in that other realm, that other kind of kind of existence. Right. Um, that that interaction then filters through some other component of us. And that is ultimately what manifests or what we could see happening and coming through as psychic ability. Okay. Right. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. So far. OK. All right. Do you have anything to say on that? As, no. as someone who has worked as a medium? Not really. Okay. Because right. everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, I'm getting this and I'm absorbing this. But then there's this other part of me that's like, <laughs> it's the folk magic part of me that's like, it's just what you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, there's one. Well, no, but, no but, these, but these are fair questions, though. You know, there are no, people, there are people, you know, and I, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm, I'm one of these kinds of people, right? Where I tend to be a bit more, um, scientifically minded about a lot of what I do as a magical practitioner. And, you know, and I, I think it's an important conversation to have, right? Because as I was saying a moment ago, that what we consider to be science fiction today is really just our science tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and more and more what we're recognizing and seeing come through and, and, you know, as science progresses, really a lot of what we're seeing science confirm and prove for and do for us now is shit that we would have thought was yeah. magic, even just, you know, got 50 years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, well, so as a medium, I'm I'm usually not open up for mediumship. Like I, I can't completely turn it off. Okay, it's just kind gotcha. of there okay. all the time, right? Okay. Yeah. And so I would most certainly say that there is a part of my soul or my spirit mm-hmm. or whatever that is almost like bleeds over yeah. into that realm. Yeah, that's right? exactly that's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but I will say when I do have to open up, mm. I don't know what it feels like for other people around me because mm-hmm. it will affect the, the area around me just okay. like every other medium. Yeah. Um, but I know that when I open up to do mediumship, I almost feel as if I am stepping away. Yeah. And into yeah. a different I don't want to say reality because that's not it, but like almost like a different energetic bubble. A bubble. Bubble. A bubble. A bubble. Um, so, okay. So I, I think what you're talking about there, and I guess another way to explain that is that when you're doing spirit communication, depending on the, the, the process that you use, and I can't say this will be true for everybody that does spirit communication because there are lots of different ways to do that. Right. And, and everybody's a little bit different, but I think what you're talking about is when you actively sit down and, 
to channel information that would be coming through from another realm Mm -hmm. or from intelligences within another realm, say like the spirits of people who have died, right? Um, That consciously you're kind of, you kind of move from being fully present in this physical world that we inhabit as humans, right? It's almost like you're kind of standing in the hallway Yes. Between, like, two rooms, right? The the way... Have you... I know you've seen this. I'm trying to... Oh, God. Movie, you don't know what I've seen. The movie just slipped my mind. It's the one where the, get, the kid gets trapped in that realm. Oh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. No. Oh, sorry. Um, And they have to put on the gas mask. Now I have no idea what you're talking about. And they have to go over into the other realm to find him and bring him home. Uh, Insidious. Uh, yeah, okay, yes. yes. Okay, yeah. The Insidious films, it's very much like that. Okay. Where I am there and I'm moving about that realm consciously, but also at the same time my consciousness is still here. Well, yeah, because you're still aware of what's going on in the room and that your your body is in, right? Like, you're Sometimes. not you're not fully disconnected. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't be. If you were fully disconnected, I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd be dead. Um, right? So, yeah. But, so, basically, it's something like that. Okay? So, now, let's shift that away from psychic ability and okay. these kinds of things. Let's, okay. So, now, when we work magic, okay, what we're doing is we are focusing our will or our desire in a way that it will move through these other connections. It will move through these other parts of ourselves that connect to other realms, okay? That will move through these connections, okay? And uh, almost kind of like a bridge to uh, to these other intelligences, other things, and other energies that yes. exist, okay? All right, so when we focus our will with uh or when we when we focus our will with energy like our, our the energy that we raise during the working of, of say a spell magical work right um and then we add other forms of energy to that right we're focusing our will with our own energy and other forms of energy things that can maybe say like the spiritual power of plants mm-hmm. stones anything else that we would kind of factor into a spell right that's one of the reasons why why we tell people like you know if you're doing witchcraft you're not just going to sit down and just just focus and 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 do some deep breathing and, and visualize what it is you want. That's not magic. That's visualization. And, you know, and that, that very different. That is not witchcraft. Okay. Um, in witchcraft, you want to work with as many other animistic energies as you possibly can and conjure and, and create and pull up as many other forms of energy as you can when you are working magic, because all of that is going to help you to to really basically like build the battery that you need to manifest mm-hmm. to really see what you want okay so anyway um so each of those additional elements also serves another purpose right in addition to giving us additional energy uh plants and stones and these kinds of things those additional elements also help us to structure the outcome of our magic because those other animistic spirits those other energies also have their own alignments to things Okay, so what in essence what happens is we become this generator of power and through the process of, of spell work, we let that build to a moment where it will go off kind of like a burst of energy. Mm-hmm. And that burst of energy will move from this realm into another realm through the spiritual bridges that are also a part of us, right? Um, and when this energy moves into that other realm, it will usually seek the easiest path to manifest what we desire. Okay, magic will always seek the easiest path. Okay, 
Um, and in the process, small changes will happen in that other realm. And because that other realm has other ties to this realm, to our world, the tiny changes that happen in that other realm will then start to spill over into this physical world. Um, so that is a very, yeah, I, that, that's a, that's a very, um, God, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm struggling because I'm still kind of feeling like that explanation is still kind of a little out there or a little woo woo. It is for me anyway, but, but in essence, that's what it is. We are focusing our will. We are raising energy. We are releasing that energy. It moves through us into other realms of existence where it starts to cascade and create a kind of a domino effect of change. Some of that change will eventually then kind of spill back into our world here, the human world. Um, and usually in the process, if we have particular spiritual allies that we're working with in those other realms, say if we're working with like, who knows, elementals, demons, uh, gods right usually as that energy kind of goes off and it moves through that other realm that's going to be when those other spirits typically have the opportunity to influence that energy as well like that's when they add their power to what we want um and and focus the outcome of our working so 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 here's an example okay and austin you you you'll you'll know that you were a part of this so we centered a spell our coven okay mm -hmm. we've talked about this on the podcast before okay we centered a spell a few years ago as part of a network of other witches and covens around the world okay um this working was done to help australia and new zealand at the time because they were dealing with like huge fires like like a third of Australia was on fire at this point. And this, this is like, this is not that long ago. This is, I think, what was it? Five, six years ago. It wasn't that long ago, maybe four, four years ago. It was pre-pandemic. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was like the year before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, but now it would have been a waste of time for us as a coven here to focus directly on changing the weather patterns in that area of the world. Right. It's not that you can't do that as a witch, but that really is probably not the most effective way. Yeah. To work your magic okay so but what we were able to do by focusing our desire in a way that could move from us into another realm where the intense heat of those forest fires those wildfires wasn't a challenge it wasn't as much of a challenge because those those energies manifest in different ways in different realms okay um but we were able to move our focus into another realm where the intense heat of the fire wasn't going to be a challenge and elemental spirits, particularly water, were more readily available to focus and strengthen our intent and our working. So what we did is we created a direct physical connection with the land in Australia and in New Zealand by asking witches in that area of the world or those areas of the world to mark the land with specific items. Okay, and those specific items, physical items, these are physical, hold these in your hand kinds of items. These were, uh, in essence, kind of like lightning rods for the energy that we were releasing. So that as it left us and our working as a coven here and the energy that was built up by all the other witches around the world that helped with this, that it moved from us through other realms of connection where it built, or where it built, it amplified, it focused, and then moved back from those realms into our physical world at the position that we needed it to because we had physical anchors that had been connected to the spell within Australia and New Zealand. Um, so that is kind of an example uh, of how this can work. And I do believe that in some component of that process, we also did uh, try to conjure and work with 
Um, I mentioned Elemental Spirits, but we also worked with, um, I think, um, Genus Loci within that area. We prayed to Genus Loci or the spirits within that area um, through the connection that those spirits would have with plant spirits and, and land spirits here. Um, so, and all of that, I think, built uh, pr- pretty well, to be honest, because we we were able to conjure rainstorms. We were able to get to conjure rainstorms in that area of Australia. And I think I remember it was probably about two or three days after the spell went off. We actually like, cause we were watching, we were watching the news. I was watching the news to see what was going on. We were watching that situation very closely to see what, not only what was going on with the fires, but also was our spell working. And we, if I remember correctly, it was just a couple of days after we did the spell. We actually like, they, they had a cyclone. Like we actually like a cyclone hit Australia and as awful as that sounds, the people in that area where I think were relieved because that brought a shit ton of rain to areas of Australia that were under fire, that were on fire, that the cyclone did ultimately prove to be a help. Um, so, yeah, it, it, that's just one of the ways that, that or an example I could share that would maybe further explain this, that the energy, the magic starts with us. We build it, we release it, it moves from this realm to a next where it continues to build and then spills back into our realm um so this magical process is an interesting one and if anybody wanted to you know dig a little bit uh further into this or look into into ways to maybe quantify some of what i've been talking about um this magical process is actually captured in a lot of traditions um and a lot of people um uh in a lot of traditions this will be identified as hedge work mm-hmm Right, where uh, which oddly, you know, which, which to be honest has very little to do with hedges and plants. Um, a lot of people think hedge witchery is green witchcraft, and it's not. Um, but uh, but hedge work, um, because you are in essence you are working with those bridges or those liminal spaces between realms. That those are the hedges. That's that's the thing that kind of comes between two other worlds is the hedge in that in that context anyway. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, that is my uh, probably overly uh, weird and and woo woo and also uh, probably ridiculously pseudoscience-y sounding kind of way to explain how magic theory works. But but in essence, that's what it is. That's 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 how it's working. I do the things. Exactly. You do the things. And and that's, you know, and that is also fair. You know, I, I think it's perfectly fair to anybody who hears this and is like, oh, my God, Mike, shut the fuck up. Um, you know, you know, to, to remember that, that at the end of the day, magical theory is a good thing maybe to, to have a grasp on. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how much that's really going to enrich your practice, right? I mean, I, I'm. I'm always one that's like, yeah, the knowledge is always nice to have, but, but I'll. I'll tell you, when I sit down to do a spell now, I don't. I don't sit. I don't. I don't focus on magical theory. I just. I just do my spell. Yeah. You know. So. Um. Yeah. But, it's a fun conversation to have on occasion. It, it's a good conversation. It's a conversation that should be had. Um, I. Again, I just do the things. And it just, I do the things. So it's very, I, I love, I love it when we talk about things like this. Cause I'm like, cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense in my brain. It locks in, it's there. But then there's also, again, that like other part of me that's like, yep. 
Well, I think when people hear something like that, like I said, and I, I'll admit, I'm not, I'm not entirely happy with that explanation. I feel like in I think trying, it was a great I feel like in trying to explain that, I feel like I probably could have, I, I could have either have simplified that information, or I could have maybe been um, less wordy. We'll just say maybe about that. But, uh, but I also want to say that I think um, in hearing that, um, that can for a lot of people help them to better understand why why they do some things in some things in certain ways yeah. or why they well, see better why, results in well, certain things why certain things like tools of the craft and the, and the components that you use would would be more effective than other things yeah you know mugwort is highly highly tied to the land of of spirit yeah and so obviously utilizing that and releasing that atomistic spirit and that energy you're going to be pulling and tethering that other energy in and pulling it in mm-hmm. just like Utilizing something like ginger yeah. is very fiery, has that tether there, utilizing that to kick your spell work up a notch is just great. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, all, I hit the table. All of all of those yes, you need to not do that. Um all yeah, all of all of those additional components, all of those spirits, even things down to you know, like the the time of day and the color of your candle, all of those things can add an extra level of energy and all of that energy is ultimately just going to be exploding and then kind of creating that cascade effect right we're going to be doing um, that on sunday um yes you're going to be doing a, a full moon rite with some cool spell work yeah i had a couple people come in today um who were odd and, I, don't, and I, I love odd people, so that that wasn't the issue. What I mean by odd, I guess, is that they came in and they they walked into the shop, but it was almost like they didn't know why they were here, okay, or what this was, you know. And so they came in and they kind of like you know bumbled around the store for a little bit and asked some questions that I just gonna say right now were really pretty stupid questions. Um, you know, it's not and that's fair to say that. Well, no, 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 okay. Well, no, let, let me, let me, let me, let me qualify that. Okay. I, I, I will be the first. That, no, 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 no. I will be the first to say that there's no stupid question, but these were obviously people that were like, clearly they had no idea what, what our, what this business was. It's like, I don't know. Like they, I like to say they just wandered in off the street, but they didn't. They like actually drove in and parked and walked into the store. Like they, they came here with purpose, um, but they walked in and it was just very clear that they really didn't know what anything was. They didn't really understand what a lot of what was going on in the shop was, um, you know, which is fine because sometimes we're all, we're all new at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. But they also didn't really have, like, they weren't really here to learn either. It, they very, they very much had this, like, we're just here to look at the freak show kind of vibe which really just gets under my my skin to be honest but um but i was talking about that because they started to ask questions about some of the events and things that were coming up and they asked about the full moon and what that was and they wanted me to give them like detail like this is what this is going to be step by step this is what this will be and i'm like i i can't really tell you that for one i don't have that information because I'm not the one that's centering this working. Uh, but two, even if I did, I still wouldn't tell you because that means you're going to show up to the working and you're going to have a preconceived idea or expectation of what this is and what's going to happen. And because of that, you're going to show up and you're going to have a shitty time mm-hmm. and you're probably going to ruin everybody else's time too. Um, and so it's like, Don't it's just, it's just, it's just better not to go there, you know? And so anyway, but I was explaining to them that that working is going to be conjuring energy to be sent to help heal and protect 
the uh, the black community. It is February. It is Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we certainly love to direct magic and energy at helping that community, that does not mean that we do not need also need to go out and handle things in a mundane way. We That's need right. to support BLM, people of color, BIPOC. We need to, we need to continue to support all of these communities, these people in very mundane ways. Write a check. Volunteer. Vote responsibly. Vote in mind. Well, like who am I electing, and are they going to fuck over these people? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't hurt to augment that work with magic. Right. And so your full moon this Sunday, I believe, is to support the black community, but also to support the trans community. And those two communities intersect quite a bit. Yes, I do. think the the last I heard the uh, the community in our area of the world, and I'm sure it's the same in every other area of the world, but at least in our area of the world, that the community that was the most likely to be triggered or or um, affected by violence and discrimination was trans people of color. Yep. So your working this weekend is going to be meant to help send some healing and some protection to these two communities. Um, and I was explaining that to these people, and they just kind of gave me this look like they were that that didn't upset them but at the same time they were like they couldn't understand why we would want to be doing magic to help those communities and that that to me was kind of like the last straw i was like get the fuck out of my store and i didn't say that to them because i'm not a total asshole but in my own mind i was like you've no place here like there's no room here for you and that, that is no more evident than now that you have made it very clear that you do not care about black people or trans people. Get the fuck out of my store. You know, um, you know, and that's sad, right? Because, you know, had they reacted differently, I might have been willing to invest a little more time, you know, in these people. But they wandered in here. And I, honestly, again, I, I, I don't think they even knew why they were here. And I don't think that we ended up being their, their flavor. Uh, of, what, of whatever of whatever it is that they were looking for, but um, they were probably thinking crystals and white sage. Probably, probably, you know. And the thing is, is that we do sell crystals. We do not sell white sage, but we do sell crystals, you know. And so we we probably could have helped them out there. But mm-hmm. um, but I also I, I I I took personal insult to their lack of compassion and care over the issues of. Well, basically, just the, just the harm that continues to be inflicted upon the black community historically, and and to this day continues to be inflicted upon the black black community, and um and certainly the trans community. I just I've got no patience for people who still carry that kind of bigotry and uh, just, and yeah, it's no, it's not, it's not. So anyway, yeah, I, I you mentioned the full moon this weekend, and I just thought, okay, yeah, that was a weird experience I had today. Yeah, fortunately, the the majority of our customers here are very cool people. Um, we do have kind of like the best, customers. and they get it. I think so. I think so, and that makes sense because I'm of the belief that we are the best shop in the in our little area of the world. So, um, well, I think every thought, every shop thinks that. I think that's probably true. Yes, yeah. but I I'm gonna say though I am biased. I, I I stand by that. I think that we have things going on here that are um, the kinds of things that you really are not going to find happening anywhere else. We do a lot of handmade um, stuff. That's okay. Let's not go there. I, this, I, you know, I'm not trying to get into it. Like, oh, how great are we? Kind of a kind of a conversation here. Um, we do have a couple of other things to talk about on this episode, um, and I, I wanted to get to those uh, because these are these are concerns. These are things that I've got, and I, I want to direct these to. Um, actually, you know, before I go there, let's let's talk a little bit about Black History Month because it again it is Black History Month. 
And I thought it would be good to talk a little bit or to kind of remind listeners, people who hear this, um, because I, I think it's important, even even as I'm saying this, like I, I need to be reminded, you know, sometimes because I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in what we're doing. And, um, you know, and we always tend to by nature, we always tend to be looking forward, right? We're always very focused on the future. Uh, but I think it's important for us to remember our past. And I think with that in mind, it's fair to say that we really wouldn't have most of the spiritual traditions and, and magical practices that we do today without black people. I would agree. One hundred percent. And I know that there will be people that will be like, well, what about traditions like Caesar and things that originated in, like, say, like northeastern Europe where we didn't have black people? And to those people, all I'm going to say is what you think Caesar is, is not Caesar. Um, And that is a tradition, really, that is uh, primarily reconstructionist and it is not witchcraft. Well, it's also lost to time. Um, it was not written down. Exactly, exactly. So I think there are a lot of people out there, unfortunately, who are claiming to be that. They're claiming to be Gothies. They're claiming to be Seethers. They're claiming to be these things. And none of that is, ugh, you know, I, I hesitate, to say, to hesitate to say none of it's real because I don't think that's true necessarily. I do feel that there are folk traditions and things that have been handed down in those cultures throughout the years. But um, but I think that that is another example of Reconstructionism. And there's nothing wrong with Reconstructionism, but we need to be, we need to be honest about it. Like, this is what this is, right? Um, so I think there will be people out there that always throw out that argument, all right? Well, these cultures had, you know, and they had no exposure to, to black people and black, you know, black communities, you know, and, you know, and historically, even that is not necessarily accurate, right? Because the people that, from northeastern Europe, you know, whether you they're Germanic tribes, you know, people that worked as Vikings, because Viking was a job, not a, not a culture, it was a job. Um, those people traveled extensively and interacted with many, many other types of people. Um, and, you know, and you can bet that through that, that trade and that travel, and, and yeah, some of that uh, raiding, that, um, yeah, that there was a lot of information that was exchanged there. Um, so there's definitely been influence, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I don't want to get like, you know, preachy and, and moralistic about this, but I, you know, but I think it is, it's, again, it's fair to say that this month to our listeners this month, if you want to do something to support your personal magical or spiritual practice, take a look at what it is you do and do a little bit of research into that because seriously, you're, you're going to find some ancestor in that practice that is a black person. Um, even if you have to go back a few centuries, there is going to be someone there, a person of color, a black person that is going to have been integral to the way that that practice made its way to you today. Um, and give honor to those spirits. I think a lot of people are hesitant, particularly when we talk about things like ancestral work. I think a lot of people are hesitant, say like white people primarily, right, to to think of or to acknowledge that yeah somewhere along the line yeah you you probably had a black person in there you've you've got some of that dna as well um you know and many of the components of your contemporary spiritual practice quite likely originated in communities and cultures where yes people were black um and you don't need to make that a huge component of your personal identity right and in fact it's probably better you not right unless you are also a black person right but um but I think it's fair that we, again, we kind of honor those things, you know. Beyond that, do what you can to support the black community in, in mundane ways this month, you know. Seriously, like, kind of, kind of write a check. At the very least, be nice to the next black person that you interact with. Good lord. You know, I... Yeah, that, you know, that's that's okay. I, will, I, won't, I won't keep keep going there. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to add to that? 
you've got you've got a contra course here coming up in the next couple of months and the and the the majority of that culture that the history and the ancestors of those practices are going to be have been black and other people of color yes it's very important that you honor those spirits because without those spirits without the quite frankly without the torture without all the stuff that colonizing ancestors brought over and forced upon these individuals without that you wouldn't have a lot of folk practices because if you go through Mm -hmm. and you look at a lot of the american folk practices that we have somewhere like mike said down that line some uh, a person of color taught some other person who was not a person of color or a, a person who is not of that color something that's just the reality of the situation that's just what it is yeah and if you can't see that and you don't want to acknowledge that then you probably shouldn't be practicing magic because when you honor your ancestors you're not just honoring those who are immediately tied to you you are honoring the ancestors of all your lives. You are honoring the ancestors of your ancestors of your ancestors of your ancestors all the way back to the beginning. And so on, and so on. And, I mean, even in music, we wouldn't have any of the music we have today if it wasn't, wasn't for the influence of, of the black community. Yeah. Point That's blank. True. Yeah. Period. Yeah, it's true. So... You want to do some stuff to honor, donate, go out, do the work, do some research, but honestly, don't be a dick. If you're a white person that, that kind of, lost, that, that kind of, don't do that. That kind of sums it up, right? Like, you know, I feel like more and more like that should be. We should petition the government. They should really. They should. They should make another amendment, and that'll just be the amendment. The amendment will just basically just like just don't be a dick. We'll, we'll just do you this. Know? When I was growing up and my mama was teaching me conjuring root work, she called it hoodoo. She called it hoodoo. Okay, cool. Awesome. So that's what I always grew up calling it. And up until this last the last couple of years, I was under the impression that it wasn't wrong to do so. That it was not hurting anyone. Um, until I had a couple of my uh, acquaintances, a couple of our acquaintances and of our friends basically say, hey, we prefer that you wouldn't use that term. And, you know, we discussed it, and I explained to them why I was using it. And they went, okay, like, I can see that. But still, we're trying to, like, you know, do a little bit of reclamation here. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Easy. Conjure work. Is that good? And they're like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Like, cool. Sweet. Easy. It's just a fucking term. Exactly. It's easy. That's all it is. For me, it's just a term. For them, it's heritage. Yeah, it's heritage, and it's a component of identity. And for also heritage, but also... I am not so caught up on just that. I don't need to reclaim anything. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think it's it's that like that's that, that's the same kind of thinking, and I don't, and I don't really want to hammer on this too much longer. But I was gonna say, but that that kind of thinking, I think, is there. See, there's resistance in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think now, you know, and it, it's really I think what it is, it's the same issue behind the whole white sage thing. And I don't want to go into the white sage thing because that's just an example, mm-hmm. right? Specifically, I don't want to go into that too too much because it's just an example of what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make. And that I think that there's this resistance or this hesitation in people to make changes to things because and and that's a human thing right by by nature most of us don't like change right we want to stick to the familiar thing we want to stick to the thing that we feel has worked for us in the past right but uh, but then something happens and and we're kind of told like well you need to do this differently now and instead of looking for an opportunity there to grow and to to change and to potentially even see People something that could work even better for us Right and and feel better because then we know we're also being ethical and honest about our practice. Right, mm-hmm. um, instead of doing that, they do they they double down and they and they're like, well, no, you can't make me change. And it's like, well, you're right. I absolutely, I can't make you change. No one can make you change, but you. But uh, but you're gonna find it if you accept this change. This is gonna be so much better for you. And people seem so resistant to that. And I just don't I just don't quite understand that. Like, there's nothing wrong with change. There's nothing wrong with learning to do something differently. Um, yeah, I don't know. The only other thing that I had, and I, and again, this is kind of more of a like a, a cautionary, a cautionary discussion for our listeners is, I want to talk about shady practitioners. Um. So yeah, I think it's important that we talk about this because, uh, I just this week, and I was talking with you about this earlier, Austin, this morning on our way into the shop. Okay, we were talking about a situation where someone who obviously was caught up in, I would say, some fairly serious mental health issues, like someone who was there. This is someone who's having auditory hallucinations. Mm-hmm. They met with a practitioner who. Um, basically just filled their head with a whole bunch of, of fear, just sent this person away with a whole bunch of fear. And, you know, and I really, I think that the reason that that happens a lot is that I think that there are a lot of people who do work or who are working as psychics, some sort of spiritual practitioner. And, you know, and it can be unnerving the first time you have someone sit down from you or, or across the table from you for a reading and they start to open up and you very quickly realize like this person is extremely mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Like they are relating experiences and telling you things where you're like, wow, like did the black helicopters follow you here? You know, um, kinds of shit, right? And you know, and I'm not trying to belittle or make fun of, of mental illness because you know it, it's 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 real. And you know, and, and people who are, are kind of dealing with something to that that severity, they certainly do need compassion and healing. Um, but all too often, I think people like this because they're so just so desperate for an answer, right, or for something to help fix what's wrong, right? They they seek out spiritualists, and then that person, that psychic, whomever it is that they meet with is really just not prepared, right? Because they're a lot of the time really not what they claim to be. Or maybe they rushed too quickly to start reading professionally, right? They don't really have the the wisdom and the experience that they really probably needed. Mm-hmm. You know, because learning how to read tarot is one thing, but that does not then give you what you need to really be a successful professional tarot card reader. Correct. Right, there's a lot more skill you got to develop, um, and a lot more wisdom to cultivate. 
Um, but I, I think that, again, as a reminder to our listeners to please be so careful when you go and you meet with a practitioner. And I'm in no way trying to imply that our listeners are all mentally ill, although they, they, if they're listening to us, it's, it's highly likely that they are because you and I are insane. Um, but uh, and we talk about some of the most ridiculous stuff on this podcast. But um, but don't um, if you go and you meet with someone and the first thing that they do is they try to prey on your fear or they start to try to present you with information that is just that's what they're doing. They're 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 basically building fear in you. You again, I want to remind you all that you you need to get up and you need to walk out of that reading because that person is not a psychic. That person is not a spiritualist. That person is a con artist. Um, any any professional reader, psychic, whatever you, you may call yourself, is going to be able to certainly, yes, give you difficult and, and sometimes maybe scary kinds of information, but they're going to do that in a way that is going to leave you feeling prepared for that moment, or better yet, is going to give you some sort of tool to be able to navigate around that circumstance so that you do not need to continue to feel worry and fear. Um, that is really the only ethical way to really be able to read for someone, you know, and, and that shit comes up in readings, right? Also, you'll support that, right? You've done readings for people where you've been like, oh my God, everything that's popping up here, like none of this is good, right? Yep. But your response or in that moment, you're not going to look at that person and go, oh my God, your life's going to fall apart and there's nothing you can do and you need to be, you know, you're not going to do that to that person, right? No, no. Um, my user response because how I read is I try and be as compassionate as possible, but I also Ew. I also try and use one of my coping mechanisms, which, which is humor. So, you know, if someone sits down, they're having a relationship reading, and the first thing that drops is the Three of Swords, and ooh, that looks a little odd. But here's what we can do about this, and we'll talk about it, and I'll go into depth about the card, and then I'll pull the next card, mm -hmm. and, we'll, and, I, and I'll correlate them together. Yeah. I will never put it in a position where they should be afraid or yeah. or anything like that. I always try and have my readings, and my clients, when they get a reading, I always try and have them leave feeling empowered. Yeah, you want to empower them. Or, I mean, even in, in situations where you have to give somebody some really dire, some really shitty news, mm -hmm. right? Um, even in those situations, you can still send that person away feeling like, okay, I have what I need to be able to, to kind of weather the storm. Yeah. Right? Um, so to those of you who are listening, please, please don't do business with people who are going to build fear in you who are going to take away your your power and your freedom to handle your life as you wish and also don't don't do business with people who are going to fill your head with fantasy scenarios um and to clarify i guess what i mean by that is it's pretty easy i think for people if you just take a little bit like like apply a little bit of skepticism and a little bit of critical thinking to the information that you're given by a psychic or, or a spiritualist it it's pretty easy to poke holes in what a lot of people in that position would maybe give you over the course of a reading right if they're telling you that you know secret underworld cabals are working curses against you because of blank reason it should be pretty easy for you to be able to take that information and and you know do a little bit of research like well so here's the thing though if this person is already in the state in a in a state of psychosis yeah well, i was i was good i was gonna swing this back to mental okay. illness yes yeah so you're no go ahead go ahead that's that that's not gonna matter 
Yeah. They're because yeah. they're they're gonna sit and they're gonna get that reading and they're gonna go with it. They're not gonna do anything. <laughs> their their fears have been cons- confirmed. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I was I was gonna bring that back around to people because yes, if you're dealing with someone who is you know, someone is coming to you for a reading, right? And they are someone who is, again, they're 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 having fairly serious, you know, delusions, you know, um, you know, again, whatever, whatever may be going on, right? You know, then and absolutely yes, that is someone who, because of that, it's almost like they want to believe, you know, they want the validation mm-hmm. of the delusion, right? Because that at least is something that can help them feel better in the moment, right? That is enough for them to say like, I was right. It's like, well, you you might be right, but the only thing you're really right about is that you're off your meds and you probably need to get back on your meds, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so I can absolutely understand why they're seeking the validation. But, but I also know that even in those situations that those people are, if they can take a moment or at the very least, to try to get a second opinion on that information. There are ways to confirm details around things like this. If someone tells you, again, in this particular instance, someone tells you like like shady secret underworld cabals are working curses against you, okay, you really you do owe it to yourself, even as someone who will be dealing with some mental instability, to sit and pick that apart, or to maybe find someone that you trust, someone that will actually be has your interest in mind and to sit down and talk this through and to hear what that person has to say right first of all what makes you so fucking special that secret underworld cabals want to be working curses on you okay you know um second you know what what process what method you know and i guess this is maybe where you in that situation if you're getting that information from a psychic and an ethical person claiming to be a psychic um to ask those questions, you know, um, and this is for anybody, you know, if you're sitting down with somebody and they start to tell you something like this, ask them for specifics. If somebody tells you like, oh, there's a secret underworld cabal that's working curses on you. What kind of curses? How are they doing these curses? What effect am I supposed to be seeing in my life or how are these curses going to affect me mm-hmm. so that I'm able to to somehow get on top of the situation? Right? It's fair to ask those questions. It is fair to ask those questions. And in doing that, it's not that you are trying to go along with the story that that unethical person is trying to spin for you. It's that you are, one, showing, you know, reminding yourself, like, ultimately, I'm con- in control of this experience and I don't have to believe the bullshit. And two, by doing that, you're going to show that person, like, I'm not just some sucker that is going to pay you a bunch of money for you to fill my head with shit. Hey, um, because there, there are people out there, unfortunately, that do take advantage. Um, well, also, again, in that situation, though, if that person's already in a state of psychosis, they're not going to be. No, I, I, no, I understand that. And I guess where that, that particular piece is concerned, and, and this does get tricky, absolutely, because it's it's been i mean i've had you you've had these experiences too where someone will sit down with you as a, as a psychic as a spiritual practitioner and this person comes in and they are um and i, I and i struggle to, to even say this now because I, I think about like well what does someone who's seriously mentally ill look like right well that's they, they look like anybody else right i think that we still fall back on these old ideas of like oh someone who's dealing with some serious mental illness like they're going to be dirty and their hair is going to be messy and they're going to be you know like i mean they're 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 physically obviously they walk in the room and you can just tell you can just tell they're mentally mm-hmm. ill right and that's not the case that's not the case at all you've got people running around out there that have a, a full 9 to 5 job they've got families and relationships and and they're keeping it all together as best they can but beneath all of that they're fucking crazy Right. And that's the world we live in. 
right? You know, and so it's tricky that because people will come in and they'll sit down with you and you're dealing with someone who in the first five minutes of that reading seems like the most just normal person next door, right? And then they'll spill something. They'll say something that will let you know, like, holy shit. Wow. Not expecting that, right? Um, and so where that is concerned, you know, or where that piece is concerned, I just want to say, you know, to those of you maybe who are, maybe you're not aware that you're dealing with some sort of, you know, like you're having some sort of, of mental health issue, right? Or, or an episode of some sort, right? But if you know that historically in the past, you've had those things, you've been through those moments and you've had treatment or medication or something go on that has shown you that that wasn't really, that that wasn't real, that that was some sort of delusion, you know, at least think back and remember that before you decide that the information that this quack is giving you is, is, is absolutely correct. And again, I, I absolutely get it, Austin. I understand. Like if you are in that state of psychosis, if you're doing that, you're not really thinking in those ways. Right. Um, but those of you who are listening to this, maybe who have members of your family, people that you love, who, you know, struggle with some serious mental illness, be on the lookout for this behavior, particularly yeah. if there are people that are also involved in spiritual practices of some sort or like to go get readings, like pay attention when that, that loved one goes and gets a, a reading with a psychic and they, they get home or you, the next time you have a chance to talk with them or go with them or go with them. Absolutely. And ask them like, you know, do you mind if I sit in on your reading? Right. You know, is that okay? Because, you know, I love you and I just want to help you in the ways that I can. Right. And, but that'll give you an opportunity to help that person. I would hope help that person later on to, to really think, I would say a bit more clearly um, and, and reasonably about the information that they were given. Mm. Um, beyond that, you know, and this is probably geared more toward people who actually do work as psychics or spiritualists. As soon as someone sits down with you and they do something, they behave in a way that lets you know that, that they are dealing with some very serious, I mean, potentially dangerous, like serious mental health issues. Um, you need to come you need to completely change the way that you would work for that person in that situation and you need to be very careful about what it is you tell them because they are going to take every piece of information you give them and run it through the filter of what of of, of some sort of altered belief or expectation um and you need to be very careful about that um yeah, I don't know. It seems like in, in the last few weeks, we, we've we've come back to this again and again. We did that episode about two weeks back where we talked a lot about spiritual psychosis, mm -hmm. you know, um, which is a little bit different than this particular issue that or example I'm making, because that is a situation where the spirituality ultimately kind of creates the crazy. Right. Um, but but there's such a thin line here because yeah. I really do feel that a lot of people that that deal with issues of spiritual psychosis, they were probably seriously mentally ill to begin with. And now the spirituality is susceptible. To yes, it. yeah, the spirituality has just kind of augmented that, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's one of these things that was on my mind today, and I and I'm really I'm just kind of just rambling at this point. But I I just want to say like like this is something that we need to be so careful about, and that is in no way to say that people who are dealing with mental illness don't don't get to be spiritual or get to do these things. Absolutely, they do. Um, but but we really need to be careful about how we we handle some of these things in in spiritual work. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, this is kind of a riff episode. I didn't really have anything that was, was too focused. Um, but we've been at this for, God, 
almost two hours now. Um, so I don't, I don't know for you. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hour and a half. call this an episode, and uh, I don't know unless you have anything else you want to add. No, that's that's really about it. Choose your practitioners wisely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we will be back next week uh, with another like actual topic for discussion, and um, yeah, and and we have some really exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks. We've got. Um, a couple of, of published authors that will be guesting on the podcast and um and uh another lovely uh i'm not sure if she calls herself a witch i don't know if she's a witch or a folk practitioner anyway but the not so old crone who was supposed to be on the podcast uh-huh. in january and then due to, due, due to a winter storm she wasn't able to join us yeah. um, but she will she will be on the podcast here in the next couple weeks too um we've got thumper forge uh-huh. who will be on and you are currently in discussion with the other yes, one, yes. which we will hold off and not not yes. we're not going to spill the beans on that one yet. No. Um, anyway, um, as always, do do uh, let us know how we're doing. Um, if this episode wasn't one of your favorites, let us know. We'll make sure we don't talk about this shit again. Um, and uh, if you have any questions or comments, um, who knows? Maybe we're doing something right for you. Let us know, um, and you can send your questions to our email address, which is Austin. The Salty Witches Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Thank you, and have a good evening or day. <laughs>